Hey guys and girls, welcome to another episode of Molecule to Market, where we go inside the outsourcing space of the global drug development sector. As always, I'm your host, Roman Tagal, and in today's episode, I'll be talking about the pharma and biotech supply chain with Tom Moody, Vice President of Technology Development and Commercialization at Almac. I really enjoyed my interview with Tom today. Clearly a very humble guy. Uh, Tom spent 20 years at Almac and he talks about being on that journey uh, from just a few hundred people to over five and a half thousand people, which uh, I didn't know. So I was shocked uh, to to hear about. Uh, Listen to Tom uh, talk about the kind of the importance of giving back to the community and, and inspiring the next generation of scientists. I was really interested to hear him talk about the economical impact that Almac has on the uh, kind of area in Belfast that it is based and the impact on on the Northern Irish economy, which is is really fantastic to hear the kind of impact of the CDMO sector and the contract services sector on, on your real people's lives, uh, if you like. And um, yeah, and, and, you know, Tom, a professor himself, um, you know, has worked, uh, you know, at Almac for a long time, as I mentioned, and on in that journey has also had, you know, numerous accolades. Uh, and he, he mentioned he was the co-author and author of over a hundred publications and patents, which is truly amazing. Uh, he's a real leader and technical expert in chiral chemistry, uh, you know, with huge experience. Uh, yeah, very, very impressive guy. So I hope you enjoy today's episode. And as always, thanks for listening. And please give us a rating on the App Store. And if you've got any suggestions for guests that we should be interviewing on Molecule to Market, then, then please get in touch on our website. So take care and enjoy this episode. Hey, Tom, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me today. It's great to be with you. Pleasure to have you here. So thank you so much for uh, for making the time. And, and Tom, just to start off with, it would be great to give our listeners a bit of an overview of, of who you are and, and you know where you came from and how you ended up uh, in the sector. Yeah, no problem. Um, so again, my name is Tom Moody. I'm the, currently the Vice President of Technology Development and Commercialization at, at Almac. Uh, I'm re I've been with the company uh, 20 years. Uh, I started off, uh, I did chemistry at Queen's University in, in Belfast. I uh, did my Bachelor of Science there. Um, I, after my Bachelor of Science, I, I really had a, a love for research, which came from my, my final year studies, my final year project. Uh, so I enrolled on a, on a PhD of which I, I did under the supervision of Professor De Silva. Uh, in, in that PhD, I, I did physical organic chemistry. So I was looking at um, building up super molecular structures uh, to do molecular sensing. So being able to communicate with molecules or being able to communicate with organic compounds was my, was my PhD. So mm-hmm. it was nice to have both the synthesis and the physical side. And that has, you know, been very, very beneficial for for me throughout my career. Um, between my degree and my PhD, I had a placement with a company called um, QChem, which uh, then became Almac. Uh, so it was great to have a placement between my uh, undergrad studies and my and my PhD, because it, it really cemented in my mind that I wanted to go to industry. I, I loved my placement. I was actually doing synthesis in the in the lab at the time, and making compounds that were being sold. Uh, so I then started my PhD, I finished my PhD, and then 
I finished my PhD on the Friday. I had an interview with Almac on the Friday and I started with them on the Monday. So it was a seamless transition between from my PhD studies to uh, my, my job with Almac. Uh, I actually had, it was a temporary contract early on uh, for six months because uh, I had I was offered several postdocs at Cambridge University and, and also working for the US military at that time. But I decided that after being with Almac for, for six months as a temporary chemist, uh, that I wanted to make my career there. And I, I decided to stay with Almac. And uh, 20 years later, uh, I'm with the company. Um, so I've went from a bench chemist, a synthetic chemist on the lab, um, primarily focused on the pharmaceutical industry and making APIs. Um, but early on in my career, um, I really noticed that there was many organic chemists and uh, I wanted to differentiate myself. Uh, so it's always been a great passion of me uh, to keep reinventing myself and keep looking at new technologies coming through. So about 15, 16 years ago, I, I started to um, play around with lipases, so using biocatalysts to do organic chemistry. And that really born uh, my group, uh, the group of biocatalysis, uh, and that's grown and grown uh, from, from myself to greater than 50 people now. Uh, which is a mix of in silico chemists, biologists, molecular microbiologists, enzymologists, and chemists all delivering uh, processes that, that use enzymes to make uh, to make chemicals. Mm -hmm. So as part of my time at Almac, I went from chemist to uh, team leader. Uh, then I was promoted to the head of biocatalysis at that time because we had a substantial group in, I think it was around uh, 2010. Uh, and then that moved on forward to the, uh, I took on another business unit, which was isotope chemistry. So looking at building that business, which was uh, radio labeling of a small molecule and peptide at, at the time. And I continue to look after that business unit today. Uh, and that's when I became the head of biocatalysis and isotope chemistry and, and became a senior manager at that time. Um, as part of my sort of innovation side and, and really wanting to develop technology, um, Queen's University in 2013 uh, invited me to become a professor of chemistry there, an honorary professor. Uh, so that was really due to what I was bringing to the university in relation to publications and, and, and new PhDs and so on. So that, that's been going on since 2013 to the present day. Uh, as, the, as my little business unit continued to grow and grow, uh, and then in 2016, uh, I became the, the VP of, of technology development. So that's really how I've went from a degree to my current position. Very good. And I've got lots of, uh, lots of follow-up questions. <laughs> um, to start, I have to ask about the U S military opportunity. It sounds very Jason Bourne. Is that, is that not what it was going to be about? I'm just curious to know what the opportunity was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was to work for the national lab uh, and making sensors. Uh, so really it was a, a follow on from my PhD. Uh, so using molecules to detect for different ingredients uh, and different materials at the, you know, the, the Pico level. Um, so that's what it mm -hmm. was. Very good. Not as not as uh, as sexy as I hoped that no, would be. But... No, 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 quite, quite, quite simple. It just it's making simple chemical sensors. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm gonna I'm gonna ask about your time with Almac in in a moment. But for our listeners that might not have come across Almac, uh, you know, relatively well known in the market. So, but can you just give a bit of an overview of of Almac and what you guys do, and you know, and also, I mean, I've seen Almac grow incredibly over the 20 years or so that I've been in the sector. So if you could give a bit of a, an overview of how the business has grown in, in your time there as well, that would be, that would be great. 
Yeah, sure. So Al, Al Mike had its big birthday there a couple of years ago. It turned 50 years old, so it's been going in different guises for, for over 50 years. Uh, as I said, I've been with the company 20 years, and I've seen the company grow from you know a few hundred people to you know, having close to 6,000 people, 5,500 wow. people at, at the moment, I believe. So it, it's really transitioned from a, you know, a relatively small company uh, to, a, to a large uh, corporation, which has been a, a real uh, journey. And it's been great to be part of that journey from, from the, my time as being a bench chemist to, to being part of the, you know, this one of the senior men, uh, management team as part of the company and seeing that growth. So that, that's been very, very exciting. Um, over the last 20 years for me. Um, what does Almac do? Um, it's a it's a service company. Uh, it's a service uh, CDMO. Uh, services um, primarily the pharmaceutical industry from biomarker discovery through to API uh, manufacture to formulation um, to um, you know mapping of the clinical trials and clinical trial distribution. So it's pretty much the complete service offering for, for the pharmaceutical industry. Uh, I guess what makes us unique, a lot of these services are all present in the site where I am today in Craig Avon, um, but we do have all our sites throughout the world, throughout the United States, uh, throughout the mainland, UK, Ireland, and Singapore. Very good. I didn't realize Almac were that big now. It's incredible to see. Yeah. Um, you know, I remember many years ago having a having a pint of Guinness on an Almac little, I think it was like the Irish booth of CPHI or something <laughs> like that, where there was a handful of uh, you know those great great characters there. So I did. I did. I mean, I certainly didn't realize that the company had grown to that scale, and I suspect makes them one of the biggest CDMOs in the world uh, these days, which is incredible for for a business headquartered uh, in your part of the world. Certainly, everybody always says about the Guinness evenings at CPHI. So it's good to see that coming back as oh. a re- reoccurring <laughs> theme. So. <laughs> I was first in the queue. Don't worry. Don't worry about that. I actually remember one year we uh, we we did a for a client that's now owned by Catalent, and uh, we we did I did a deal with one of the guys on the Almac stand where he I, he supplied the Guinness and I supplied the gin from from our stand. So that was that was a good good deal. So um, you twenty years with the same company is uh, it's an incredible I suppose achievement and uh, you know testament to. Uh, your loyalty with the with the company, and also you know, obviously just being there through the growth as well. Um, and it's interesting because you know, this is you know one of almost fifty podcast guest interviews, and there's very few people that I've interviewed that have stayed with the same company. So often, a lot of my conversations are with people that have you know gone from say you know a smaller business to a bigger business maybe to the consulting side or the investment side etc cetera, etc cetera. so i'm just interested to know you know what what is it about almac and what is it about you as a person that's uh, you know that's meant that you decided to stay with the business for for so many years because i imagine there are listeners who are potentially with a company and thinking of oh, the grass might be greener on the other side and maybe if i go here or if i move here life might be better or whatever so i think for a lot of those people it'd be great to hear your thoughts on why things have turned out really well uh you know with, with two decades with the same business yeah, so I, I've always been a, an ambitious person uh, from completion of my PhD, and I, I wanted to progress uh, up up the ladder uh, per se. And uh, I guess with Almac has been, you know, as being an ambitious company itself, it's been able to support my growth with with obviously sustained delivery, uh, which has been good. I, I'm a very loyal person. Uh, I'm very proud to be part of Almac, and I'm very proud to see Almac grow uh, the way it has and support. Um, I'm a great 
lover of Northern Ireland and, and keeping Northern Irish, uh, you know, and growing Northern Irish jobs. And I think Almike is a, a real success story for, for the area and particularly in, you know, high caliber jobs. You know, you know, a lot of the folks that we work with are highly educated, you know, bachelors of, you know, multiple science uh, disciplines and PhDs. Uh, for me, the the motivation for me is that the the science that we do. It's cutting edge science. You know, people come to Elmite where it's it's challenging, uh, and that's why I get out of bed in the morning because I I know the challenges that we see every day are, are going to push us to the limit, um, which which is great. Um, Twenty years at Elmite, um, it's been a great company to to work for. Uh, it's continued to grow. There's multiple opportunities for for all the folks here at Elmite. Um, as part of my career, I, I decided to do a, a master's in business part time in, in the evenings uh, because, although I'm a scientist through and through, um, I wanted to understand how to make money from science. So I, I embarked <laughs> on a, an MBA at the time, uh, and that's helped me in my career progression and and the skills that I bring bring to Almike. So it's been a, a great journey, and I hope to continue here for another twenty years. Good. I'm sure that I'm sure Mark will be very pleased to hear yeah. that as well. And yeah. and when you when you did your introduction, uh, Tommy, you mentioned that you'd reinvented yourself, mm-hmm. um, and and linked quite closely to that what you said there about learning the business side of things. Be interesting just to hear your thoughts on how you've reinvented yourself and why you've reinvented yourself so many times within the same business. Mm-hmm. Um, that's it's just an interesting phrase and. Uh, one again i think people could potentially learn from yeah so i think you know the chemistry we originally did was you know making libraries of compounds that that obviously transitioned into more process development which is now process changed and trans transitioned into more heavily technology focused uh, chemistry development and and we will continue to innovate i think that's so important the chemistry we do today will not be the chemistry we do tomorrow and certainly mm-hmm. we see that the the chemistry and the projects that are coming through are much more sophisticated than they were 10 15 years ago you know compounds coming through are more challenging to make more chiral centers a whole host of new technologies to be used and certainly you know we've we've developed the biocatalysis capability you know the catalysis side of the business what we're seeing coming through now is flow chemistry and certainly we will continue to do flow chemistry we're seeing how we can use enzymes outside of the normal chiral chemistry and uh, it's it's a very exciting place to to be at the minute as as we see new technologies coming online Mm-hmm. very good thanks for that and you know w- one thing you said also mentioned which i think is a really lovely point is the impact in northern ireland and i don't think it's necessarily something we discuss enough actually on the podcast where you know we we have guests that have, have facilities that employ many people in regions all over all over the world um but i mean the economic impact of almac to northern ireland must be must be phenomenal in over that time and that must be something you take with great pride to be part of that organization absolutely you know when you look at the multiplier effect from what Almac can do to the local economy it's it's tremendous and uh, um, I, I think it's, it's second to none one of the biggest employers in, in northern ireland certainly private uh, employers in northern ireland and, and it's great to see such a high-tech organization in northern ireland so that we can compete with our you know the, the republic of ireland which you know is a real powerhouse in you know pharmaceutics so it's good mm-hmm. to see that Almac's in, in northern ireland you're listening to molecule to market where we go inside the outsourcing space of the global drug development sector. The podcast for professionals working in the pharma and biotech contract services space. 
when I did my research prior to the podcast, I noticed that you are the uh, author or uh, co-author of over 60 publications and patents. Um, is that by design, as in <laughs> you've always wanted to have that type of recognition uh, and, and I suppose accolade that goes to that, or has that just been as part of the role that you've done in, in the last two decades? Yeah, I guess it comes to uh, being part of Almac, and Almac is a science-driven organisation, and, and innovation is at the heart of what we do. And actually, we've at just at Christmas we hit we hit over 100, so we hit, we did a bit, so we're way above 60 now. So 100 wow. publications, um, pretty much at my tender at Almac, which says you know a lot about what Almac is and what Almac has allowed me to do as part of being as being part of the company. So a big thank you to Almac and allowing me to do the research and and the innovation that we that we're allowed to do. So it's it's fantastic. So I guess not to be an academic, to be an industrialist and have greater than 100 publication is is amazing. And it's really important that our customers and clients see that because they see that we're at the cutting edge of science and you know it is truly multidisciplinary research. Yes, that uh, and you know most of those publications are in the area of um, you know, enzymology biocatalysis, but, you know, over the last two to three years, we've been developing flow chemistry and we're now seeing that being born as a, as a major uh, technology offering for, for Almac. And we have uh, four or five papers in that, in that area now too. So, and we hope that to continue into the future. That's awesome. Very good. And uh, just, just speaking about the business side of things, and you, you mentioned obviously the journey you've been on from, you know, a few hundred people at Almac to over 5,000 today. What, what was, what was the most painful part of that experience in terms of the scale up? So we will have people listening that work for, uh, you know, CROs or CDMOs that maybe are a couple of hundred people and have ambitions to become bigger businesses, whether they do that organically or through acquisition. So I'm just curious to know from your perspective, what, what were the biggest pain points or step ups that you guys made that felt like while wow, we're, <laughs> this is much harder than we thought it was going to be because um, I'm just I'm really curious to hear what what that must have been like uh, at certain periods in, in in your growth over the last 20 years yeah well, certainly I can talk for my for my group the key thing was getting systems in place that you can actually manage that you know a large volume of, of people systems is, is critical um, and, and a lot of work of has gone into that um, obviously when you when you go from a you know several hundred people to thousands of people recruitment's a, a big burden and getting the right people I think that's important that you do get the right people and we've been very fortunate Al Mike that we've been able to attract you know some of the best folks in the world to to come to Northern Ireland or, or to stay in Northern Ireland so that's been a, a big thing and we continue to recruit heavy uh, across uh, multidisciplinary research uh, for certain areas uh, we've done uh, training regimes um, we put in uh, matrices to help um, showcase how people can progress through organization I think that's very important when you're a small organization you have many hats as you get larger uh, you need to have systems in place to uh, to allow people to see how they can career progress within the organization I think that's very important uh, certainly for me um, you, you talked about it before as well about people moving from company to company it takes great stickability as i call it uh, to mm -hmm. stay with one organization people can start things it takes a um, somebody who has great um uh, motivation and, and stickability to take something from being small to making it big but sustaining that and making it profitable and i think that's what we've done at almac 
Love that word, stickability. I'm definitely stealing that. Yeah. <laughs> I'll see if the Americans understand it. <laughs> they can't understand me generally already, so that, that won't, won't particularly help. But no, it's a, it's a great word and it shows you the... Uh, I definitely get a huge sense of loyalty at Almac and, you know, over the years and the people that work there often speak with great pride about the time there. So it's, it's an interesting word to use. And I wanted to ask a bit about, you know, you've been on that journey from, you're still a scientist today, obviously, but, you know, science to, to business leader. Were there any misconceptions that you had about the business side of things of running a CDMO of, of operating a CDMO that actually when you got into a position of leadership and I suppose be, being on the other side of the fence management wise that you thought, oh, okay, I'm seeing this through a different lens now and from the other foot, because I think it's always quite interesting for people to see one thing from one side of the fence. And then when they end up on the other side of the fence, they're like, oh, I never realized it from that perspective. So I'm just interested to know whether there were any misconceptions that you had that actually turned out to be different uh, when you, when you change role. I guess is when I was on, on the bench as a scientist, uh, my day-to-day worry was about the project and, and delivery of, you know, X kilos or grams of, of a product. When you move into management, those worries are still there. Obviously, you need to make material for for the client, but, you know, you need to manage the client. You also need to manage the staff. You need to manage your managers, and you also have to manage the, the hierarchies within an organization. So you, you start to see um, many, many different um, aspects of, of your role uh, changing from not, you know, just worrying about one thing to having many things to think about and, and keep everybody happy. So mm-hmm. Interesting. And you, you know, if you could kind of go back and give yourself some advice, maybe a 25 year old self, some advice, what advice would you give him? Be patient and um, be, be loyal. Uh, like I have been uh, always maintain, uh, never ask anybody to do anything that you wouldn't do yourself. Uh, mm-hmm. no matter how mundane it is uh, I've always kept that throughout my career that if I need to go and do something in the lab with the guys I'll go in and do it and make the time always continue to to learn every day is a school day uh, for me technology is changing you need to keep on top of that and give back and that's a big part of what I do both at Almac and outside of Almac is that I, I I want to help people I want to promote science from from school age right through to people the same age as myself and older well, you've just kind of prompted my next question, which is around, you know, I, uh, I saw some, uh, an interview with you where you talked about, uh, you know, one of your personal goals for 2020 is to obviously raise uh, and build, I suppose, the awareness of science among school students and graduates. So, which again, I think is a great initiative. Do you, do you think COVID has helped that in the sense that it seems to have brought healthcare and life sciences into a, probably the greatest focus that it's ever been before? No, absolutely. And I think that's one of the things. And I, I've done a few webinars to, to school kids uh, about that, where I've talked through the importance of the pharmaceutical industry and the importance of healthcare and, and how supportive we should be of those industries, because they really have helped a lot in you know, the current climate. Um, mm. So I, I continue to, to promote science, and, and I will do. Uh, I have a lecture series, which I give to the kids on the science of DNA, where I show how DNA we're not only made up of DNA, but, you know, we can use DNA to, to help, 
you know, with healthcare, make new drugs of the future. We can use DNA for sustainability to make new chemicals. We can use DNA as catalysts and we can use DNA for data storage. And that always gets them so excited because they can kind of relate with DNA. They learn about that at school. And then, mm -hmm. they can, then I want to come in and show them how DNA can actually be used in real life applications. And just there last weekend, uh, Friday and Saturday, I gave a 10 hour lecture course to the University of Milan in the area of biocatalysis and scale up. So to me, teaching is important, giving back is important. And I thank Almac for allowing me to do so. so. That's amazing. Very good. And, uh, and are you sensing from school kids to university kids a heightened sense of curiosity and interest in, in healthcare now versus, say, two years ago? Oh, absolutely. And I think Al Almac has done a great job where we have a, you know, a dedicated team of folks who are involved with outreach. And um, we have we have a person employed who that's all her job is to go to the schools throughout uh, UK and Ireland and promote science and to promote uh, what Almac does. Also, we have a centre in Belfast uh, called W5, which promotes science to all ages. Uh, and we have a floor dedicated to the drug discovery platform where, where Almac promoted that. And Almac shows how you can go from a drug right th from a drug discovery right through to a commercial drug as part of that. So very, very exciting Amazing. things going on. That's really good. I think it's uh, it's a it, you know it's something I think many of our listeners should try and take back to their own businesses in terms of their own community outreach and trying to promote the value of science and life sciences and you know in particular the uh, the contract services space that we all work in which is uh, it's it's great that Almac does that and let me ask you Tom how how would your best friend describe you in in three words probably ambitious loyal and competitive <laughs> I definitely would have guessed the loyal one. I wouldn't have guessed the competitive one because you, you seem like a very humble, down-to-earth guy. But I'm guessing to have had the career you've had, you've probably got a bit of steel, <laughs> steel in you. Yeah. Uh, that um, that means you're a competitive guy. Do you have? Do, are you? Do you do sports or something outside of outside of work where you kind of let that competitive energy go go wild? I used to do a lot more sports, but I'm a father of three children, so they, they take a lot of my energy at the moment. So I have a, a boy-girl twin and uh, I have a teenager, so they take a lot of energy. But yeah, I, I enjoy uh, a bit of cycling and running when I when I have time, and I used to play a, a lot of squash. So And everything I do, I try to do to the to 110% full, full max. <laughs> Doesn't surprise me at all. And uh, yeah, no, I, with three kids myself, I appreciate the... Uh, the energy burden <laughs> they, they take out of you. So, and then we've, we've got another five, 10 minutes or so left. And I wanted to talk about the sector uh, at large and, and, you know, trends that we're seeing at the minute, both from a COVID and non COVID perspective. So I suppose just generally, you know, in the, particularly in the last five years and, and where we are today, are there any particular trends that you are seeing that you expect to continue or any shifts that you expect to see in the next few years uh, as a consequence of, of COVID? Well, I guess general trends, regardless of COVID, we're certainly seeing more and more uh, work being outsourced in the, in the pharmaceutical uh, industry. Um, sort of the, the statistics would show that, you know, in 2015-16, there was probably 20 to 25 new chemical entities approved, and that's grown to, you know, over 50 today or last year. So there's been a great great growth in the number of new compounds being approved by by the authorities just to pause you there tom i just wanted to ask, do you think that increase has been 
enabled by the contract services sector? Like, do you think that like the emergence of the contract services sector and the kind of growth, or do you think it's just from the drug sponsor side, there's more money in the market to drive new chemical entities? I'm just curious to know whether or not you feel uh, contract manufacturers and the availability and access to development services and manufacturing and scale up has helped accelerate some of that a, b- a bit of both i guess you know the the, the industry is certain uh, is certainly very uh, very busy at the minute and you know if a lot of these companies can't do it all in-house and they need to outsource it so if they didn't have companies like almac to, to support that then there would be delays in getting these compounds through through the trials so i, I would say yes companies mm-hmm. like almac has helped the little bits that we do to to progress these uh compounds through the through the pipeline so yeah very good and any other sorry i stopped you in your flow there apologies yep. but uh, any other kind of other general big trends that you're seeing other than you know from the outsourcing side and you mentioned obviously yeah. the growth no, no the other thing i guess if you go back like 10 years ago there would have been a big surgence and you know large molecule versus a small molecule and and yes, there has been an increase in the amount of large molecules coming through, but the small molecules still dominate it. You know, looking at the statistics that I've seen, you're talking 65 to 70 percent in 2015-16 were were small molecules, whereas that's risen now to over 75 percent. So, the small molecule drug discovery to commercial is still keeping its own, and I can see that moving into the into the future. Mm, so that, that's, yeah. The other thing I would see that I've seen, certainly if I look at the technology side, you know, 10, 10 15 years ago, um, enzymes were really only used at the last sort of resort mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, where everything else has failed. But what we're seeing now is, you know, enzymes are being um they're, they're being used at the discovery engine and sometimes it's the key component of, of the API synthesis and and as these these enzymes are used at early stages and as the compounds are getting scaled up and go through clinical trials that technology will remain so that that's been a major step change as as chemists become more familiar in using enzymes or, or biocatalysts to do chemical processes so that's that's been a, a major change I've seen and, and certainly becoming the norm uh, today. The other thing of C coming through and it's been endorsed by the FTA is the, the use of flow chemistry and you know some of the big big companies, the big pharma guys, they have you know clear groups um, focused on flow chemistry. So doing chemistry in a pipe rather than doing a batch batch reactor and, and we're certainly seeing at Almac more and more projects coming through where there's an element of flow as part of the you know the A to B to C uh, transformation. So I can certainly see that continuing into the future as well as more and more people get versed in, in flow chemistry and, and how to use it. I'm not I'm not by any stretch a uh, specialist in chemistry. Is is flow chemistry an equivalent of continuous manufacturing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it is a flow chemistry is continuous manufacturing okay. on on the chemical side. Yes. Okay, very interesting. And I wanted to circle back to it was really interesting what you were saying about the uh, the dominate the small molecules still dominating the market. And obviously, we've had guests on the podcast from the large molecule perspective, uh, particularly in from the cell and gene therapy side of things, and also just you know other other large molecule compounds that are coming through and obviously are higher value. Do you expect that trend to continue where small molecule will still dominate or, you know, over time, would you expect to see more large molecules come into the market? Just based on the predictions that I see, I think small molecules are will be here to stay and, and continue to to grow as it is. Um, I guess what we have seen is on the large molecule side, a lot of the big pharma guys they keep that in house and they have specialist groups inside. Whereas in the small molecule, they're they're more apt to to outsource that to companies like ourselves. Mm, so maybe that's the major difference. That's it. Yeah, it's a, it's it's a really interesting. Uh 
structure at the minute in that sense that there is a seems to be a lot of the large molecule work does retain in-house it'd be interesting to see as that that market develops and matures over the next few years whether mm-hmm. there'll be greater <laughs> appetite to outsource in and i suppose in the same way that a lot of the small molecule market is now outsourced to companies like yourself so mm-hmm. and how is how has covid impacted not just Al- well how has covid impacted almac actually as a business and um, but also just generally, one of the trends that we've seen in the interviews that we've had on, on Molecule to Market is uh, this sense that COVID has accelerated certain trends that were, were kind of already happening. So, you know, use of technology, et cetera, et cetera. Is there anything that you've seen that COVID is, uh, that has impacted the way that you guys operate and or shifted the market in a way that you probably didn't expect to happen as soon as it has? Yeah, I guess, you know, face-to-face meetings are a thing of the past. So more things have gone to, you know, uh, Zoom meetings or to Teams meetings. I think that really has trans- uh, transformed the industry over the last year. And, and I would see that continued in the future. Video conferences seems to be the norm now rather than the exception, which it was uh, before COVID. At Almac, we've never been busier. Uh, we have, you know, great procedures and systems in place to ensure that everybody is, you know, socially distanced and, and all that good stuff. So uh, we've been able to function as a business uh, extremely well and keep our clients happy and make sure that they, the medicines that we have to make are, are made on time and in full to our, to our customers. So it's been a very challenging time. Obviously, you know, everybody's under a lot of strain and stress at the moment, but I think as a company, Almac has done extremely well and adopted you know a no travel policy very early on even before we went into full lockdown so that was beneficial for us and uh we're you know we review it on a on a bi-weekly basis and look at our systems and we have our audits in place to make sure that we're we're fully compliant mm, oh, i'm pleased to hear it. i'm sure max made a, a huge impact on covid and non-covid related drug products in the last kind of 18 18 months or so and my, my final question is a uh, it's more of a crystal ball style question you know 20 years at almac and if you know in the next 10 to 20 years if, if there's one major change that you could uh you know implement in the sector you know to make it better more efficient wh- whatever that might be what what would that change be tom well being a technologist I'll, I'll talk about the science part and the change i think one of the changes that i see coming is the 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 application of of biocatalysts or enzymes to make large molecules or, or to make oligos we see a bit of a, a step change starting now uh, and i could see that becoming uh, a larger part of the business in, in the future as, as enzymes are starting to be used outside of the normal small molecule uh, arena the other thing that I can see certainly being changing is the, the way we approach chemistry, uh, not only necessarily doing it in batch, but doing it in, in a flow process, mm-hmm. which has been endorsed by the FDA to help with quality attributes, safety, uh, and all that good stuff uh, moving forward. So I certainly see uh, bringing technologies together is going to be super important. And I think Almac is invested in the right places and, and we will continue to be successful. Very good. You 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 heard it here first, listeners. That was uh, <laughs> predictions by by Tom. But Tom, it, it was an absolute pleasure to to meet you today and obviously speak to you and and have you as a guest on on Molecule to Market. You've obviously had a, a really wonderful career uh, with Almac, and you know, great congratulations on the company's success and your continued uh, development as well. And yeah, thanks thanks for being a, a guest on on Molecule to Market. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank you. Bye-bye.
Hi again, thanks so much for tuning in to Molecule to Market. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. You can find more shows on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you like to listen. Get in touch with us on our website, moleculetomarketpod.com, and follow us on LinkedIn or Twitter, and we will see you again next week. You're listening to Molecule to Market, where we go inside the outsourcing space of the global drug development sector. The podcast for professionals working in the pharma and biotech contract services space. Molecule to Market is sponsored and funded by Remarketing, an international content, digital, and design agency that helps companies get noticed, raise profile, and generate leads in life sciences.